0: good morning welcome to books for breakfast oh my god that's (laughs) (laughs) right anyway we're your hosts i'm megan i'm jude and i'm jess and we'll be here every thursday from 9 to 10 on wmcx 88.9 fm and congratulations you found us this week
1: yay Yay. oh my goodness we have a great show for you guys today we got to interview a very interesting person Mm -hmm. and we're very excited to share the interview with you um his name is Jack Kelnhofer. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay. Um, he's a Mammoth University alumni. He is also a college professor and a local author who writes novels, comics, and role play for games, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And I've never even knew that that was like a job before.
2: <laughs> well, it's like, um, like for video games when you like write like the role play and like what the characters have to do or just even for like board games, which is really cool. Oh, board games. I never even thought about that. Yeah.
0: It was always just video games in my head.
2: Well, like hardcore board game players, you know how they like go all out, like Dungeons and Dragons, they go all out with Mm -hmm. like a game plan and whatnot.
0: Yeah, those people. (laughs) (laughs) They just leave it sitting in their basement for months.
1: (laughs) Like, no, I haven't finished yet. (laughs) yeah i've never played dungeons and dragons or anything of the sort so i'm not really
2: my brother used to play it with a group of his friends in high school and they would have like character sheets that they would fill out for the whole week and they would say okay this character this is his name this is what he does this is blah 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 and then they meet on it was like every friday night i think and they would have this like and the guy in like um who was hosting it, would have the map planned out and be like, this is how we're starting it. This is where we're going. And it was just, like, so detailed. So you just make it up? Some game, some some part of it, yeah, you make it all up. Oh, my God. That's you like understand? homework. That's too much work. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that.
1: <laughs> and then, like, to, I mean, I guess you'll remember it. I guess. Who knows? Yeah.
0: Knowing me? No. No. Well, they, they <laughs> I don't remember
1: it, yesterday. They always have it, like, written down. Nah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Makes sense. Yeah. But it comes with like the game, or you have to buy it separately, like a book. Um, I think you have to buy it separately. I know at Barnes and Noble we had a um,
1: like make it so complicated.
2: (laughs) There was a Dungeons and Dragons section, like just a whole. We call them bays of Dungeons and Dragons, and it was character figures, dice like certain dice, the books, and it was just. And there was also a book of like different maps and tabletops, so like you could put it on the table, and like this would be your bored I guess I don't know anyway too much about Dungeons and Dragons the yeah <laughs> what
1: was the did any of you watch Riverdale I've only ever seen um, the first few episodes um I episode. watched
0: oh sorry no you're good I think the first two seasons definitely the first I don't know where I started to give
1: up because Riverdale <laughs> definitely the first and then after that I was like the season finale of the first season I was like I can't do this anymore
2: <laughs> <laughs> I definitely watched all of the first one up until episode five of the second one and then I was like, no. What is this? But they I had cannot.
1: like a like a Dungeons and Dragons version in the show. And I don't remember what it was called.
2: I don't remember that at all. They
1: did? Yeah, because they, oh, God. Like the whole plot of that show just sounds fake. But the yeah, right? thing They're, I remember was like, oh, if you play the game and then somehow like whatever's happening in the game is happening in real life. Let me let I me feel like, oh, like, I feel like, like Jumanji? Was,
2: I feel like that was later on, though. Like season three or it four. Probably. Definitely really? when I gave up. Yeah. No, no,
1: I feel like it was still... Se- Maybe, I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see that.
0: Because what season are you watching, be- Jess? Because I'm I like, know. I'm actually a
1: super fan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because I know at one point they were like talking about magic and stuff. So yes. I definitely think it was like season three or four. It's called Griffins and Gargoyles. Oh, oh wow.
1: okay. Okay. I know That's what you're like talking about. the same about. thing. They they were like, guys, this is genius. You're never going to believe it. Yeah. We've remade Dungeons and Dragons.
2: But I do think it was, like, later on. Not in season two. Really? Yeah. Because the reason I'm saying this is because, you know, Sabrina? Yes. So they did, um, on Netflix, on Netflix, I can't remember what it was called. But it was Sabrina. and. No.
0: Riverdale's in Sabrina. She's like, trope?
1: <laughs> Just pulling all the the keywords out of her. Paperback versus hardcover?
2: <laughs> and, One um, man. So it was like a whole magical world, and they were, like, thinking of, because they were, because Sabrina and Riverdale are all Archie comics, so there is that crossover world. So since Sabrina's magic, they were thinking, what if we introduce magic in Riverdale? And also, I just actually received a message, and this oh person is saying, you guys didn't ask what you had for breakfast. I was oh, thinking about doing Dungeons and Dragons,
0: and I was like, how do I transition? And we just had too much, too much to talk about with Dungeons and Dragons. I know.
1: Now I'm interested, because they played it in um, Stranger Things, too. So I'm also like, oh, oh you're right. Well, I was the only one
0: I think of is Gravity Falls. I know there was one episode mm-hmm. where they called it Dungeons, Dungeons, and More Dungeons.
1: That's funny. Yeah. That's
0: funny. <laughs> I loved Gravity Falls. Because that's what they are. They're basically was, we're just a big joke about everything. But well. I think we need to listen to a, our listeners now. Keeping us on track. Yes. Uh-huh. Thank and you. And get thank into breakfast. So thank you, listener. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Megan, what did you eat for breakfast today? Okay. So, I so badly wanted avocado toast. I bought, like, a big bag of the avocados yesterday. Yes. And they were all really hard. And I was like, maybe by tomorrow they'll be good. They weren't. Yeah. I really tried. But... I unfroze one of my ba- defrosted, I guess that's a better word, Unfro- better unfroze. term. Listen, stop. It's <laughs> so early. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> um, I defrosted one of my bagels that I had stored and just had that with cream cheese again. So, I mean, I was still good, but a little disappointing. Mm.
2: I still think you should put some honey on top of that cream cheese.
0: Oh, I forgot about it's that. So good. I know I have honey. I just have used it probably once the past two semesters. So good. It's good. You it know. doesn't go bad. It's yeah. yeah. Just gonna
2: say.
1: Um, what about you, Jess? I had egg waffles. I'm on the run. Oh, yes. yes. I was late today. I, I'm a disaster. This oh my morning. god. Chocolate yeah. chips or no? Just plain. Just plain. Plain. Nothing on them literally nothing <laughs> such a sad meal it's fine it was good it but got doesn't me doesn't that got bother me you
2: like that it there's no flavor it's fine it's fine okay
1: <laughs> in the morning i don't even have time to think about it i'm like i just need to get to like the next location that i need to be at so <laughs> that's, that's what i'm
2: worried concerned with
1: and then uh jude tell us about your breakfast today <laughs> well
2: for me it's ramadan and um practicing muslims don't uh, they fast. We fast they. We <laughs> fast during Ramadan, and we fast from sunrise to sunset. So no breakfast for me. Or I guess technically my breakfast was at like 4:30 a.m. because that's when because the our fasting starts at 5 a.m. So we we wake up early to have a, a last meal. I guess you could call it, and we call it suhoor. Um, so that was my last meal, I guess. And it, it's usually like. Water of course, so that we don't we're not dehydrated throughout the day and um, fruit salad.
1: And that's gonna last you all day until sundown?
3: <gasps> honestly,
2: <laughs> no it's not even, like, no. <laughs> no, honestly, it's not even like a thing. I've been doing it since I was nine years old, so I am so used to it. And you'd be surprised that you can like actually go a whole day without food and you'll be fine. Like I don't lose energy. I go to classes, I live out my day every day without like I don't even think of it, that I'm not, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. I'm not eating, oh, food. Like, I don't even think about it.
1: And even water, too.
2: And even water, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's yeah crazy. Oh, my God. Props yeah. to you guys. Wow.
0: That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Water's what I drink when I'm hungry and I don't eat. Yeah. I'm See, like, I don't food, water. I mean, <laughs> yeah. definitely
2: for yeah. some people, it's harder than most, but I already, sorry, Dad, don't drink a lot of water, <laughs> oh, so I'm mess. already <laughs> used to it. As you can tell from my face, because I have a lot of acne, oh, <laughs> no. I don't drink a lot of water.
1: Oh my goodness. No, but how much water do you have to drink in the morning to. Like, are you carrying around a gallon? <laughs> Did you ever have that in your high school? If anybody, like, walked around with, like, a gallon
2: of oh water, my God, the of Yes, yeah. it was always
1: like a swimmer. Yeah. And I'm like, aren't you in the water enough? <laughs> you just absorb it, <laughs> swallow it there. It. <laughs> yeah, pretty
2: much. Well, don't they have to, like, drink a lot of water because they have to maintain their weight so that they're fast while they're swimming? Sure. Or is that? That a
1: sure. I
0: just a carbo loading. Yeah, I don't know the Pasta. science
2: behind sports. I just.
0: I played soccer and then I gave up my senior year, so that's all I know.
2: I played basketball for one year in high school, and then I played basketball in Egypt a lot. And we would do that when we were fasting too, so that's oh why I'm like God. so yeah. Well, that's a lot why, of physical activity. Yeah, that's why, yeah. why I'm like so used to it. Like it's nothing. But our coaches would also be fasting. Like that's what was helpful about it in Egypt because everybody was fasting, mm-hmm. so we were I all like, like understanding. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. so we were taking a light day. You guys are not going to do a lot of exercise today. We're just going to shoot some shots. You know, just work on shooting. I'm yeah, surprised so they cool.
0: wouldn't just cancel it all together.
2: No, nah. mm. there was no point because we were like we were all okay with it. Like we were mm-hmm. just so used to it.
0: Yeah, really makes me. sense. I know I have uh, ASL on Fridays, and next Friday because it's Good Friday, one girl was like, "Do we have class next Friday?" And she was like, "Why wouldn't we?" Because she's like, "Cause it's Good Friday." I'm like. Uh, that's not how that works. Yeah, yeah. no, we don't we get. We don't have that. off for Easter. Weapon. Yeah, no. So we only
2: have off for Christmas, pretty much.
0: Yeah, but it's like winter yeah, that's break. Like in it's between. shoved yeah. in between.
2: Yeah. So yeah.
1: we get a spring break, and we get. And spring break, in my mind, was always in April. But then yeah, but right? Then it was, right, Now it's in like March, but it's always been in March. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, because in high school it would usually be like around easter like that's when it would fall because it would be like the week before it would be like easter break but if you were in high school and uh, high school if you were in public school they wouldn't have like a denomination so it was like oh it's spring break yeah but it's the week of easter
0: and then everyone called like the winter break christmas break or like holiday break Uh, like no it's winter they're like no no (laughs) not, not
2: everybody um what's it called like celebrates christmas you can't call it christmas break and we are like okay actually it reminds me one time i was working and i was at the cashier and it was during the holidays and i was ringing up this customer and at the very and i was like merry christmas have a great day and he was walking and he walked back and he was like happy holidays not merry christmas i'm like i'm sorry
1: (laughs) usually i feel like it's the opposite when you talk to people and you're like, oh, happy holidays, they come back over and they're like, it's Merry Christmas. See, that, and ha- like,
2: oh. that happened to me too. Oh my it God. was like two customers <laughs> after this guy. Don't say anything. I was like, <laughs> "I have an okay day. <laughs> I just said happy holidays. And then she looked at me and she was like, Merry Christmas.
1: I was like, Merry Christmas. I was like, I don't know what to do anymore. Just say
2: happy December.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> hope you have a wonderful month. No, yeah. just start saying, I hope you have the day you deserve. <laughs> and that's enough. <laughs> that's like mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's not mean, but it sounds like it is. Yeah. Like it sounds like an insult. It's like do car- like karma, you know? Yeah. Do what you want and yeah. be good.
2: But. And I don't think I need to clarify that they were both older people. Oh yeah, of okay. course. <laughs>
1: Mental image already. Me as a Gen Z person, (laughs) I will never complain about anything. You could bring me the wrong food and I'll be like, sure. Yeah, yeah." exactly.
2: We have zero capabilities of confrontation. No, it's so bad. Really.
0: Gen Z mixed with being a people pleaser. Oh, yeah. Oh not good. It's not good. No, it's really not. I don't stand up for anything I want.
2: (laughs) I feel like Gen Z is just... We're we're genuinely lost.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, that's how I describe and us. And they're too <laughs> mad at us that they're not going to tell us how to do it. No, they're like you
1: stupid kids. Why couldn't you figure it out? And yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Stop I had yelling. a nine
0: to five when I was your age. I was twelve <laughs> and I was working in the office. And I had a
1: mortgage and a wife and kids. <laughs>
0: it's
1: like okay, I'm
0: sorry. I still have to take <laughs> classes that don't even count towards my major. Mm, my bad.
1: <laughs> and also for so much more money than you did. Exactly. <laughs>
0: okay (laughs) yeah anyway um back to what jess was saying at the top of the show um
1: we have an interview we have an interview interview. okay (laughs) i hope i do this right hold on everyone
0: (laughs) hope you enjoy yeah this is a weird transition into it but here you go (laughs) jess Um,
2: okay so we usually start our show asking each other what we had for breakfast because it is from nine to ten in the morning um so we would just like to know what you had for breakfast today
3: i have been ridiculously obsessed with the spanish omelet i um, ordered a spanish omelet for um, six weeks straight and um, we get it from the diner and my wife started yelling at me saying you're not allowed to have that every day so i made it my screensaver on my phone and she gave up and now i still had a spanish omelet so so far spanish omelets every day for about six six and a half weeks
0: What's in the Spanish omelet?
3: Oh, it's the best thing you ever eaten in your life. So um, it's just a regular omelette, but they use a tomato sauce and they put onions, peppers, and um, mushrooms, sometimes celery in them, and oh, it's, it's like a diner thing, so it's uh, it's it's delicious. It's absolutely wonderful.
4: Hmm, interesting. So we know you're a writer, and we wanted to know how long have you been writing?
3: I've been writing my whole life. Uh, I'm in my fifties now, so um, I've, I've always written, writing is um, part of, you know, it's a huge, huge journey. So I have been writing, uh, I, I began writing when I was maybe in high school. I had a creative writing class in high school that I liked a lot and I enjoyed that. After high school, I joined uh, bands, a couple of bands. I was in a couple of mostly punk or goth bands back in the late 80s or 90s and that's where i did most of my writing for songs i I liked writing lyrics and things like that and at that time i really stopped writing short stories and novels and when i moved out of doing music i moved back into writing novels um almost exclusively novels i used to write a lot of poetry i don't write much anymore but i i write mostly not i write almost exclusively parts of novels these days and content for role-playing game books and comic books.
2: Is writing something that you want to eventually be your full-time job?
3: Yeah, I would love to have the time to do, to do nothing but write. Um, right now, my job is teaching as well. I'm an online uh, college professor. So, um, you know, but I, I've sort of, I don't want to chase writing for the money um because it's such a strange strange landscape of of, of the finances and the economics and and authors right. so i would love it if that was my full-time gig and i was making money on it full-time but um doesn't need to be either you know uh it, do, it doesn't need to be I, I i'm i'm old enough that i i i i've, I've lived long enough that I, i've been through those hungry periods and now i'm heading into that part of my the end stage of life here where I'm looking at things in more of a, what did I add to the world? And so that's what I, I like doing is I like writing things that are more, um, more me saying, all right, I added this story to the world, which is important.
0: So how do you balance your time between teaching online for college and writing in your free time?
3: It's not too bad. It's not too bad. I write... Um, As much as I can, when I can, I have two systems. I usually write, uh, I work on a novel um, that I'm working on. I call this, "all is this is the desktop novel, I'm working on that. And so I'll write that while I need breaks from reading papers from students or testing or things like that. But I found for me, the best way to write is kinesthetically. So, uh we all have sort of learning styles at least that's that's what a lot of education places say that you know you're either a visual learner uh audio learner you read by you learn by reading excuse me or you're kinesthetic and you, you learn by doing and so um what i do is i i wrote and wrote and wrote for years and i never finished anything long form until i started using a tape recorder And then cell phones to tape my my writing or to dictate right to a a speech to text thing and so i'll hit like my major novel that that one that's on my desktop i'll go for a massive walk every day and i usually write for five miles so once i finish five miles of walking that's my day i also always have a second book that i'm writing that's my once a day I make sure I write one sentence for that book every day. And that's usually like a warm up for me. Like I'll get up in the morning and say, all right, what's my, what what did I do on the the one a day? And then what was my last sentence? And then I'll add one, two, three, maybe sentences, but usually only one a day. Uh, Because at some point it sort of comes together and you're looking, yeah, wow, I've got, you know, uh, I've got a ton of work done on this thing and I've only been doing it, you know, by one sentence a day. And suddenly you kind of fall in love with your own work and that becomes a desktop book. So that's really how I balance it is is, is work time is work time. But when I'm in motion and moving, that's really my writing time.
4: That's very interesting. I've never heard of anybody do it that way.
3: Yeah, a lot. of It depends on your learning style, I think, you know, um, and you really can tell. You guys are all taking classes at, at my alma mater at Monmouth Go Hawks, right? So, you know, and, and you've been in a college class. You've been in co- classes your whole life. There's some people who you may have noticed that it's really hard to learn being jammed in a seat and listening when you want to be on your feet and thinking or, or, or doing or, or you'd rather be left alone and read it yourself. And once you learn what, you know, really how your own mind works, which is so important, I mean, that's the most important thing. Once you learn how how your mind really wants to work, the writing becomes so much easier. It becomes really, it becomes part of your process. But if you're trying to force yourself to do something, like I got to sit in a chair for two hours and write, and that's just not your way, you're not going to write well. And then when you're done, you're going to hate it. So you've got to sort of make it part of who you are.
4: Kind of circling back to earlier, you mentioned you write for a lot of different um different things like comic books and role-playing books do you have a favorite one that you like to work on the most?
3: I like novels the best and 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 to, to a degree short stories I um, am an avid Dungeons and Dragons player for my whole life I bought it in the 70s and I've played it my whole life and so I love working on role-playing games and the materials for role-playing games because it's such a part of who i am and it's also such a part of being a writer i mean role-playing games and writing are are, are so close they're right next to each other you know it's that what would you do if what are you going to do because this happened and and th- that to me is the best way to write um I, I came to um comic writing because a company uh i was in a contest that stan lee the um the um, founder of Marvel Comics had um, gone and, and created this contest with MTV. And um, I did very well in the contest in the writing portion of it. And it ended up coming out to, to very little uh, for the contest. But what happened is a company that had decided to publish its own comics, comics, Pulsar Entertainment, called me and said, hey, do you wanna get together and work on something? I had a novel laying around that uh, was one of my first ones that I ever finished and i thought this is a really good young adult comic and that's the comic that um i don't know if you saw it it's on uh, webtoons it's called fireproof it's not finished obviously but uh, i started it there and, and and so converting from a novel to a comic book or converting from a novel to a, a screenplay It could be a lot of fun. You know, it's really weird to do when you don't have to describe anything or or, or you are describing things for an artist and you're working for somebody. But I guess to circle back and answer your question, I would much rather be on my own, taking a walk through the forest and writing something, coming up with anything that I want this character to say or do, uh, than doing something that's going to be reliant on an artist or work for a role-playing book.
2: Where do you get your inspiration for your characters?
3: Interesting people, you know? I I think it's so important to seek out people who are interesting and then totally rip them off for who they are and try to, you know, you're never gonna get it exactly right, but it's fun to sort of look at somebody and say, all right, I'm gonna try to capture that person and bring them into into my story. And sometimes it's fun to kidnap them and throw them in your story. You know, it's like, all right, uh, what would happen if my mom was thrown into Lord of the Rings? (laughs) What would happen to poor mom, you know, And, and, and things like that. Back in the day, I used to love to go to places like the rest stops in the Turnpike and just sit around and watch people drink coffee. And what could happen, what's really fun with that is you only see people for a short period, right? But we're also judgmental. We can sort of put a backstory, even if it's not the right backstory, right? You can put a story on somebody and say, oh, this is what's going on with those crazy people. And they're leaving now, but they're all this and that. So sometimes, you know, that brief glimpse of somebody, that brief glimpse of strangers that, you know, you sort of let your imagination fly with um, can create some fun characters. So usually my inspiration for my characters are uh, I'll look for somebody who would work well in a central role, you know, in my, in, in your story, your your main protagonist can't be somebody that no one else really can relate to. It's kind of important that your, your main protagonist is relatable to other people, but people around that person can very often be quite wacky and fun. So that's uh, usually what I, what I try to do is, is find myself that person who's a little bit of me and maybe a little bit of people who I know and admire and put them in the center and then just find crazy folks around who I've known or I, I, I've imagined and throw them around the sides and see, you know, what, what would happen if these two people met, if this, this 10 people had to all sit together.
2: And then you put, do you put those characters into the comics as well?
3: Yeah, yeah, I do. That's part of the fun. The comics have to be, in my opinion, they have to be uh, uh, um, fun. You know, you can't just have a a down and out misery experience in a comic book. So you need some really interesting people to put in there. So uh, Fireproof that I was talking about before, the main character is um, a very straightforward character. She's a young woman who's finding out about her past and finding it's an urban fantasy so she's suddenly finding out that she's actually um hiding from people who are trying to harm her and that she wants to you know figure out what's going on once they take one of her parents away but her friends are nuts so it's fun to do you know those sort of things where you put the friends together and 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 just make them you know, a little bit, a little bit crazy and and, and crazy enough that if you throw them in a crazy situation, it sort of uh, exponentially flows, you know?
4: Um, Do you have a discussion with a comic book artist before or after? Like, what's the process working with someone to actually design the comic?
3: I I usually don't want to have a discussion with the artist to a deep degree. So what I'll do is, uh, with the actual process is, you write out the scripts along with the panels, and then you tell them what's going on in the panel. You don't have a lot of space to write about what's going on in the panel, so they're gonna interpret it their way, and it's gonna look like their work. And art is such an amazing an amazing thing, and it's an amazing talent that you don't want to over-direct your artists, regardless of of what you're doing. I'm working on a teleplay, and I'm working on a screenplay as well, and and, and you want to make sure that um, every creative person has some ground to put in their material, and so when it comes to the artist, I'll say this is what's in the frame, but I'm not going to tell them what it looks like. I'm not going to put the clothes colors on them i'm not going to put uh you know the the angle of the camera or whatever so you got to give them their space and so you just give them some basics and let them go crazy and let them write you and say oh, okay i didn't, I don't quite see it what should i do here what should i what should i do there
4: you are a Mammoth alum and did you take any classes that helped you prepare for your uh comic book writing like art classes or design or anything like that
3: I didn't take any art or any design classes. I've read a lot about art and design and I have tried drawing myself and I'm not great at it. You know, I would love to be able to do everything creative in a comic book. I haven't done that, but every class that you take is incredibly important because, and as a professor, I, this is such a heavy, heavy weight, is that a class should change a person. You take a class, it ought to change them. Um, Doesn't mean good or bad, but you know, as your critical thinking and your 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 mind expands on ideas that are given, you know, that are presented to you, you need to be able to take that idea and move forward with it. So, um, I got a um, master's in literature at at uh, Monmouth, and um, you know, one of the things about literature that's really really fun but difficult to study is. You're going to sit across from the table from somebody, a professor, whoever, they have stuff that just made them love literature, and that stuff may not be the stuff you love. You know, so it's hard to sometimes be in a room and say, oh, God, if I've got to read Pride and Prejudice one more time, I'm going to go crazy. But you've got to be able to flip it around and see, this is so important to that really, really smart person who's telling me about it, that I better learn and I I better try to see it from their sight. I'm a big believer in, you know, uh, narrative as your life. Um, It's part of your spirit and who you are. But, you know, I I say to my students, usually on the first day when I'm talking to them, I'll say, what's the most valuable thing that you're hoping to get out of in your life? And it better not be a Bentley, you know, because that you're going to die and you're not going to take that with you. But if you go somewhere else after this, after this experience, the only thing you're taking with you are your memories and the really smart person is going to be able to take narratives and experiences that other people had in books or or any artistic measure and they're going to also have learned from that so to me i got into literature and then i got into the teaching of literature because it's very spiritual very religious to me In that um i, I look at something called semiotics which is the uh, study of symbols and that's the main thing that i studied when I was uh, working towards my degrees, and I look at that and say, all right, well, these, these, these ideas of, of, of things that are not words, uh, colors, shapes, animals, look at birds and how often people think of birds as symbolic, how many different cultures have looked at birds and say, the crow is symbolic, the raven is symbolic of death, and then take that idea and say, "Well, you know, who's setting that up in our minds? Who is setting it up that my culture, your culture, this culture from a thousand years ago all sees this natural creature and says, "Hey, you know, there's a there there's a there's a meaning to that that is drawing me to it. To me, I think that's the great power of literature and the great power of of what we're here for for life is to figure out, you know, what is the meaning and and who is talking to us beyond?" The people around us
0: you mentioned how like all you have are your memories and kind of going off what Jess asked before how do you feel like your experience at Monmouth like the classes you took professors you had just kind of things you did in your free time like shaped those memories and helped you get where you are today
3: well I um, was really interested in uh, the writings of between about 400 and 1066 a D, the Anglo Saxon literature of that time. And I really wasn't at all familiar with it until I uh spent time with Dr. Hyde Estes. And she she did a great deal of of um mentoring me and teaching me the languages and teaching me what these um what these things w- meant and, and and how to look at literature from a thousand years ago and see how that could touch you today. So really that's what I I, I take uh, from it. And when I look at, look at what I did there is, um, you know, I'll look at a poem like the wanderer, which is this incredible Anglo-Saxon poem that talks about hopelessness and talks about where you can, where you, ha- how, what should you do now that you have nothing left? And I see that in people's lives today. So specifically, if that, if that's what you're asking though, those are the things I sort of look at. And those are things I probably would have never read on my own you know, I probably would have picked up another Star Wars novel and read that rather than being pulled through a series of ideas that, you know, um, that are really valuable to me now and really important to me now.
0: How things are different today with the post COVID world, everything's online, even you're teaching college online now. How do you think that kind of changed from your time in Monmouth and like when you were writing and how you got inspiration back then?
3: yeah it's difficult i i struggle with the virtual world and what you know what we're missing in it you know you can add those things you can add the interaction but you really have to try extra hard you can't just be in a room and suddenly spout out an idea you've gotta you know be in a discussion board or, or, or go and move through those things but i think if you're mindful of the situation and saying you know as a student, this is my learning experience. So I need to be proactive with what I want to know and go and learn it. And that means asking people questions uh, that may not even be on the syllabus. That's that's really, really important, you know? But it's, it's a really a big struggle for my mind right now to see my, I have an 11-year-old son and the narratives that he consumes are video games and so i go through that and say yeah i believe that video games can be literature they can rise to to the to the space of literature but how often do they do that and how is that going to be different for him than it was for me who curled up in a corner with a book in, in the library at school and then talked about it with 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 people so i don't really know you know i don't know really know how this massive change to virtual is going to affect us but i I do think it's pendulum i think that we're going to swing way into the virtual learning space for a while and then we're going to find as people that yeah we still want to sit in a classroom once in a while so i think everyone's going to be a hybrid learner at some point we're all going to sort of you know uh end up wanting that space with other people too
4: and uh, speaking of the advancement in technology, this is kind of taking it back to an episode of our radio show we talked about a couple weeks ago, but um, we had a debate over, do you like digital books or physical books better? And I was just wondering if you had a preference or if you liked audiobooks. since I know you mentioned, like, talking and walking was big for you, so
3: right yeah yeah it, it, do i have a preference i like audiobooks i worry about audiobooks that i'm not picking up all the nuance so if i'm listening to an audiobook as i walk and i find uh, i'm feeling i may be missing elements i go and buy the book and you got to remember buying a book man that's a it's that's a thing it's a real thing like you've got to go out into the world sometimes you got to go into the city and go to you know one of the bigger bookstores and find a really good book and then get that book in your hand. so that's all part of the experience it's not just you know i i can't just download a book and feel like you know i have a connection with that book yet so i like to do both if i have the opportunity and and i usually do i will listen to a book after i've read a chapter i'll read a chapter listen to a chapter or I'll do it simultaneously. I usually put them together. The physicality of a book. I mean, th- there's a smell to books. There's a feel to books. There's, you know, um, how how fun is it to find a leather-bound copy of a great book? Um, if you go on Etsy, you can find artists who are painting the four edges of books. And if you're really, you know, just crazy into a, a particular title, a lot of people love Harry Potter, right? You can go in and look at people who have painted the four edges of books, and now you have this, you know, singular, one of a kind book that nobody else has. And that can be important too. So um, if I had my druthers, I would like to be able to read it and listen to it at the same time.
2: Which, I guess, project have you written that you're most proud of, and why?
3: Um, what am I most proud of? I really am proud of a novel I finished recently called Runner in the Dark. Um, I liked it because I've spent my whole, almost all of my writing time chasing a genre, fantasy genre, you know, or sci fi genre. Those are the things that I really like to write. And so I took an online course with uh, James Patterson and. when I took the course, he, t- he writes all thrillers. And so I said, all right, I'm going to try this thriller thing. And I changed up the way I do things. Um, I got really into outlining, which is something that um, I didn't enjoy. So I didn't do it very well. But after taking this course with James Patterson, I ended up doing the outlining and really getting strong on that. Then I wrote the book, and the book is somewhat autobiographical. It's a thriller, so there's absolutely nothing else in it other than, you know, a straight up thriller. And um, so that one I took out into the world and I went to a um, thing called Thriller Con, which I recommend for everybody, it might be Thriller Fest. Uh, yeah, I think it's called Thriller Fest, which is this um, convention held every year in New York City. And you get to take your book, you pitch it to agents, you pitch it to uh, uh, editors. You can talk to real people in the, in the situations that are, you know, moving forward to get your stuff published. And i got an agent from that so i mean when you ask if i'm pr- really proud of the way that one's been uh received and the agent is shopping it for me now and um it, it's strange I, it's ironic in that i've always wanted to you know refollow all the stuff in fantasy that i like and uh, the thriller is the one that seems to get people that seems to get a, an audience for me so i'm really proud of it i, I like it a lot
2: that's really interesting, especially um, about James Patterson. I know that he's a huge author. Um, so I know that you said you want to um, like work more on fantasy, but the thriller seems to be getting all the attention. So do you think you'd, you'll start writing more thrillers then?
3: That's such a good question. I went right back to writing a <laughs> fantasy after I wrote the thriller. So I'm like, oh, God, I'm returning back here. But I'm like, oh, no, I can do it way better because I learned these things. Um, I'll probably return to doing the thrillers because, um, I definitely plan on returning to do because I set it up as a series or uh, that could be a series. And, uh, I would, if, certainly if, um, if I'm able to sell the book or get the book to move forward in any way, I'll definitely follow up with that and probably continue to use that same character, uh, from the book. So yeah, I'll probably end up doing more thrillers and I'm, one of the things that I did have to do and I recommend it to anybody who wants to write is I had to start reading in that genre a lot. I had read in the genre um, of the thriller genre for myself as a as a professor, but I read, you know, Poe and and um, of course Sherlock Holmes and a couple of the big ones, but I didn't sit down and say, all right, what are the top five books that are selling right now in this genre and I go read those. So Um, I've learned a lot about it and, and one of the things I like is that I was able to take my sensibilities for writing fantasy and sort of throw them into the thriller idea and maybe get something a little bit different than, than that audience is used to.
0: Since you've been talking about what you read to like gain inspiration. So like, what's your favorite genre to read?
3: My favorite genre to read, um, is usually high fantasy. I like that a lot or science fiction um those are those are that's where i've always enjoyed uh reading so those are it's not easy for me to read but it's always feel it feels like coming home i also spend a lot of time reading books that um if a book is a sensation i read it i've read twilight i've read hunger games i've read all the harry potters a couple of different times I try to go in and, uh, well, I read Fifty Shades of Grey. I shouldn't have done that, but I did. And, and if, if people are talking about it, I want to read it and dissect why are they talking about it. So um, there's some of that, there's, there's, there's reading of that work that you can look at it as an author and say, I'm reading this as an author and I want to go through it and see what makes this book tick and why people are reacting to it. But if you're asking, you know, what do you do when you got the flu and you're sitting in your sitting in your bed and don't want to do anything but read, I'll read a high fantasy book every time.
0: So do you think that finding books that you're more interested in kind of give you more inspiration or the ones that people are reading, like a lot of people are reading and liking give you a lot more inspiration because you know what people are gravitating towards?
3: I like to look at what why these books are, are doing well. You know, um, and, and there's a lot of book snobs out there, which annoys me, you know, I, I know a lot of other authors who would, you know, who would really get down on a book um, like Twilight or like Fifty Shades of Grey or, you know, even, even a Harry Potter or something like that. And I don't think that's uh, of any value of, at all to say this book is bad or this book is, is no good because if people are reacting to it, that that's what makes a book great. It makes a book good is, is somebody wants to read it, you know so my uh, main uh reason for reading those kinds of books and taking them apart is to, to sort of a you know look for what makes it tick and then b you know figure keep that idea going that all books you know all books are great you gotta you, you know it's just important uh when i go look for um, things in my own books i try not to do anything that i've read it's hard but Um, very often I try to take anything that's an idea for a book or character from a book from my real, from real life, from things that, you know, that, that I want to take and convert my characters. in one of my fantasy books are moving from point A to point B. And what I did was map from, um, ocean County to, uh, New York took how one would walk that entire thing. Um, then drove it a few times and then would look at specific things and try to spark on and I stopped on bridges and took pictures and I would do things that take take shots and say all right well this is South Orange and and what would what would this transfer to in a medieval town and things like that so uh that's how my process goes for ideas is I really think the ideas need to come from earth they need to not just pop into your head and then you take that as a starting place and then you let your imagination go wild with them
2: I was curious to know at your time at Monmouth did you ever receive like a really good piece of advice from one of your professors
3: one of my professors who I I think was absolutely uh, absolutely incredible said something to me that's sort of small but is really really powerful and that was she just we were talking about having difficulty first, A, analyzing close reading a book, and then B, writing a reaction paper to it that sort of felt like uh, a paper I would write. The the thing I was reading at the time was very, very strongly a gender study pay, uh, book. And I just don't feel comfortable in that area of criticism because I just, you know, I just don't feel comfortable in area of criticism. I don't feel like I have the experience, the life experience or the or the depth of knowledge to talk well about what it means to be a woman, to, to be um, anything different than what I am. And I love doing symbols. So uh, the professor basically said to me, all you have to do is take it one piece at a time, break it down one idea at a time, don't worry about the ending. And so that always led me to this, idea of having faith in the process of saying all right I'm going to figure out how to get to the end of this book and it's going to be it's going to be great you know um that's always a part that that I think a lot of people who want to write a book uh, no one writes a book in an outline in their mind everybody thinks of cool scenes and then tries to sort of pull it all together and um, if you were to take the, the, the anxiety that you can get from saying, all right, I've put 100 hours into this book and I don't know how it's going to end, that anxiety can make you put it away and it'll never get written. So you got to take it one step at a time and, you know, have faith that it'll come together because it always does. It always does. Even if it doesn't, it'll come together in a way you didn't expect.
4: Do you have any advice that you'd give young writers?
3: yeah, live live life, you know. Um it's important to have experiences and to take those experiences um and do what you do. I wish I journaled more, but I journal I journal a lot, and that's not enough. So go out experience things, uh, particularly the awful things. you know, I mean, no one wants to have uh, you know a bad breakup or you know, get treated like garbage by somebody and then say, "All right, well now I'm going to I'm going to put this down for my next novel." But to heal yourself from something, you know, that's difficult or something horribly traumatic, the only way to heal yourself from that is to sort of put little pieces of it away so it doesn't hurt as much. And when you put those pieces away, they're not as close as they need to be to write well about them. So you have to go out live a life, go see things, go do things. I'm not saying you got to travel or you got to run around, but go outside and figure out what's going on. If you want to write a high fantasy or a Western, go ride a horse, go pay the buddy to, to, to go to a, a ranch and ride a horse, go get those things done because there's nothing that's going to make it better for you than the actual physical experience of going and do doing something and you'll find i think as the older you get the more you are a, a product of your experiences and less the product of your hopes or ideas and that experience really becomes what can be the basis of your writing so um i don't think you can live in a bubble when you're a writer you've got to actually you know have done things that 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 are worthy of of, of writing and and so you know go out and give yourself something worthy to write in the notebook about or, or to whatever write about.
2: I was wondering if you can describe your favorite novel or favorite comic in three words that you've written.
3: Oh, uh, let's see. Three words, wow, well, I can't do it well. Childhood is amazing uh that's one thing that I would uh, start with. This will get better. That's four <laughs> <How's> that? <laughs> Don't trust weirdos. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm gonna fail at this. How's that? I think I think that's about the best I can do. Don't trust weirdos.
2: I mean, it's good it's good advice mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you never know. Uh, makes you want to go and read it now to find out what that means. so. <laughs> Do you want to promote yourself and your work so that people can know where to find this?
3: Uh, the uh, Fireproof comic is on Webtoons. You can just uh, go to uh, Webtoons and type in Fireproof. And uh, Runner in the Dark is currently a—it's a novel I finished that's currently um, shopping around, and I'm hoping something will come of it. I have some good leads, but I don't have any way to shop it yet. So keep keep the title in mind, and hopefully something will uh, will happen soon.
4: Um, all right. Well, I thank you so much for doing this with us. And we uh, hope that our interview questions were good. And we really loved your responses.
3: Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. Thank, thank you, you so
2: much. All right. Um, again, thank you so, so much for agreeing to do this.
3: Oh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me.
2: Of course. Thank you so much.
0: I feel like we learned a lot. This is very inspirational. Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: good. 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 We'll stay in touch if you ever want to know anything. I'm always around.
4: Thank you. Thank, yeah, you. thank
3: you. All right.
2: Have a great night.
3: You too. Bye bye
2: now. And there it was. There it was. Yeah, that was. That was our interview with college professor, Monmouth alumni, and um local author Jack Kellenhofer. It was a very interesting interview. I loved all of his answers. What did you guys think?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. I It's so funny when it's like, we do all these at night, and so at the end of the interview, it's always like, have a really good evening, and then it's like, <laughs> it's 10 a.m. <laughs> I just started my day, actually. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was funny. But doing the interview was great. Like, the responses were very interesting. Yeah. Right? It was like, I don't know what I was expecting, just because
0: it's like, you know, books, so I'm like, eh, about the writing process, about the story, but it was really like inspirational like Mm -hmm. kind of real life situations i was like oh yeah the
1: the go out and live your life part that was really like yeah yeah. i was like yeah i should like you're right (laughs) that's (laughs) the end of the every 2000s movie where it's like i'm gonna go and live my life now (laughs) because
2: he's right too like if you want like to if one of us wants to write in the future or like just get better at writing i guess he's right like we have to live life and like experience new and crazy things because i feel like that's really where inspiration does come from when you're like when you when you feel a lot of adrenaline or something i don't know i mean he said he gets inspiration for characters from watching people so or just people <laughs> yeah. in his life yeah, or people interesting people in life, which i also thought was like so cool yeah because like i can like write a short story and y- megan you'd be the real star of it but you wouldn't even know because i would have changed yeah, right? your name it's like
0: that's like you don't understand how other people perceive you you know yeah like that's like how he sees this person and it's like if it was me like if you did write a story about me and changed and i didn't know i'd be like wow this is a cool character i'd be like oh my god that's about me i didn't even know like well yeah
1: that's that's, then it becomes like that's why i relate to her is because oh wait it's actually me yeah (laughs) (laughs) she's like
2: oh
1: anyway yeah but
2: another thing that i had like not thought of before was when he said that he read 50 shades of gray not because of it's 50 shades of (laughs) gray but because it's what a lot of people were reading that's what they all said (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's totally fine (laughs) that's what like everybody was talking about and everybody was reading and watching so he wanted to know like why is this so successful and how can i use that to my advantage so like reading not because for pleasure but reading it as your job like Mm -hmm. as an author i need to know yeah like study research sometimes i do that
0: with like radio i'll like listen to other professional djs i'll be like Mm -hmm. what do you guys
1: talk about so it's like the same kind of thing yeah just like it's not it's like getting ideas but also like learning from their mistakes or stuff that they do or say that helps them works out
0: yeah and also you know like if they are making mistakes you're not the only one right you know Makes so me It's like, better. hey, look, they got this published. I think I can write a comic book. It's okay. Yeah. They published Fifty Shades of Grey. You can <laughs> <Yeah>. publish anything. <laughs> yeah.
2: What was funny was when he was saying that he likes writing fantasy, reading and writing fantasy, but the novel that ended up like getting an agent was the thriller one that he wrote.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I love thrillers. Me too. So that's why it's like, pff, yeah. that's the one I would have picked up too. <laughs> fantasy is good, but then I also feel like, the market could be so oversaturated because so many Mm -hmm. people write fantasy books and it's like a series and then it becomes like, oh, you know, is it the same story over and over again, but just different characters and then I mean, but at the same time, I will watch and read the same exact Mm storyline multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. So it really depends. Depends on how good it is, I guess. Just with anything, it's like finding
0: what sticks out. like Anything that puts you apart from other people. So... I mean, fantasy. I guess if everyone's doing it, then r- try a thriller, and that makes you stand out from other people. I guess.
2: Yeah. That's inspiration for anyone out there, guys. <laughs> there you go. And he did say he might go back to thriller because he said the way he left it off, it could definitely be a series. So. I mean, I, I wish all success for that book. It's called Runner in the Dark. people, so keep it in your mind because hopefully it will pop up on the market. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Very interesting.
0: Replug. Where to find it? Oh, oh yes.
2: So and then he also wrote. Um, his comic called Fireproof, and that's on Webtoons. So either the app or the website, wherever you get access to Webtoons. Interesting. It's like yeah. a digital comic. Yes. Right. Have you ever used Webtoons? No. I'm on Webtoons, religiously. Um,
1: <laughs> really? And it's like just comic books, but online.
2: Yeah. Huh. And it's, it's like, like pad And it's like, but with pictures. But with pictures. <laughs> exactly. And and the people are like people, our age, people are age a little bit older. People younger, like whatever, and they w- either they draw it themselves or they have artists draw it for them, and then they give them a credit. And it's just, it's so cool. It's more professional than Wattpad, <laughs> for sure.
1: Seems like it. Mm, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and I love it, honestly.
1: The um, making the comics books was like really interesting to learn about because it's like, okay, well you have to write the story, and then you got to hand it off and get the pictures yeah. drawn and.
2: And he said yeah. that, like, he doesn't directly tell the artist, like, what he wants or, like, how to draw right. it. Right. Because he wants the artist to interpret it for his o- for their own, which I thought was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Because that can, like, give the ho- story a whole
1: new light. Like, yeah. completely different than what he was thinking. But Also, what happens works. if someone reads it and he's like, oh, that's not what I meant. That's not what I was talking about. Yeah.
2: Well, then they'd have meetings. And yeah, like, so, like yeah. So maybe we can, like, redo this part.
1: Stuff like that. Do you think that helps, though, like change the wording of it? Like if you gave it to someone and you said, oh, well this is what I wanted, but then they interpret it wrong. Does that like help give editing notes to you as a writer?
2: I think it could go both ways. Like it, it could either be, oh, well, I had originally wrote it this way and I kind of want to keep heading in this direction. Or you've just inspired like a whole different aspect that I never thought of before. And I could use that information for something new kind of could think of it like screenwriting yeah. because like
1: you write the script and then you hand it off to the producers and they're like okay I'm gonna make this a movie now and then you know they change everything yeah (laughs) well thanks so much for tuning in everyone because what better way to start your day than with books and breakfast